0: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com work. slash work. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now that kind of
1: talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are of course for of He was the big spender. The big spender doing Mr. the grocery 28.8 shopping
0: 28.8 can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian Versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas.
1: Yeah, good, day, Adam. How are we doing? I'm very
0: well, thank you. This week we are talking motorbikes, or more specifically, <laughs> superbikes, which I, for one, Thomas, am thrilled that you're finally into something that's interesting. Because I thought we were just going to talk about boring economic stuff again. So, imagine my sheer joy when I found out this week was all going to be about superbikes. So, pretty excited.
1: Oh, yeah! So I can't wait to see the disappointment on your little face. (laughs) Uh, That is... Yeah, no, we're talking commodities. We're talking commodities. We're talking a super cycle in commodities.
0: Super cycle, Mm. not
1: superbikes. No, no, I'm
0: afraid not. You're... You are spot on. I could not be more disappointed. <laughs> uh, now we are talking super cycles, commodities, super cycles this week on comedian versus economist. And what what got us looking into this was an email we received a few weeks back, and so we have we have had time to research this. So Thomas, I hope you've come prepared with your best super cycle knowledge. Mm.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> um, Aiden sent us an email, and he just asked, "Would we mind covering?" What Goldman Sachs has described as a commodity super cycle coming up in two thousand and twenty one, which I don't know, that seems like it's got a fair bit of sort of magnitude to it as super cycle. Is that right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's big news. All right. But yeah.
0: Big news. <laughs> what? I haven't heard a lot about it. I mean I mean Aidan sent through the through the email and I've seen sort of I've heard murmurings of a supercycle, but um, I'm keen to know more so we we'll, we won't we won't start there we'll start maybe right at the beginning so uh, Aiden had a bunch of questions I've got a bunch of questions Thomas about a super cycle before we get too deep into it though can we just start I just want to understand we're talking about a commodity super cycle what are we talking about when we say the word commodity what's a commodity
1: yeah very it's 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 one of these things that everyone agrees on there probably isn't a hard and fast definition sometimes when we're talking about commodities we're particularly in the Australian context we're talking about minerals so iron ore copper gold and silver as well like stuff you dig actually literally digging up out of the ground so that's sort of like one definition that you'll, you'll hear and you kind of need to sort of read the context to understand but it kind of includes any sort of basic goods that that are tradable so like it does include livestock agricultural products oils in there as well so basically, I think anything before it gets transformed into a consumer good would be considered a commodity. Rare earths, so stuff like that, yeah. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> 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 all right, it's all right. Bitcoin's already demonstrated its use cases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before it hits the supermarket shelves, before it, it, makes, it in, makes it into our homes as a product, so you mentioned iron ore, so before we go and buy some fencing for our house or whatever, yeah well
1: yeah corn corn flakes are not a commodity corn (laughs) is it's probably a good way to think about it
0: that's good Mm. i I can get my head around that because i always think of uh, when i think of commodities i always think of iron ore Mm. and and then i get pretty bored to be honest and i just start thinking about sport and super bikes yeah
1: iron (laughs) ore super bikes
0: iron ore where's this going iron (laughs) ore or what iron ore something interesting or just nothing (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, we talk about Australia being a commodity exporter and a big part of that is obviously minerals that we're digging up. But we're also a commodity exporter in the sense of wheat and wool and that sort of thing. Right.
0: And okay, so that's, that's the first half, commodities. So what's a super cycle?
1: Yeah, this is another thing that doesn't have a super clear definition. But basically you can think about like there's sort of like the basic cycle in the economy is, is the business cycle yeah I mean this is also kind of a dated concept now we haven't really had a full business cycle in a long time we just sort of have periodic crises but in the past you'd have a sort of an expansion phase a peak a contraction phase a recession a return a rebound and that's sort of of Mm -hmm. the basic you know basic market economic cycle runs for like four to six years or something historically but I mean it's not really a thing anymore like doesn't make so much sense So that's sort of your basic cycle and there's sort of demand picks up that causes prices to rise that induces a supply response. The supply comes in that causes prices to fall demand comes back and and around we go. And that, and that tends to be sort of reasonably smaller movements, but a super cycle is sort of lays underneath that. So you think about like a wave form, way the wave is moving around a trend but that trend line can be moving as well and the super cycle talks about what's happening at the trend level so it's not talking about the short-term movements but it's talking about what's happening at that trend level and whether that trend is rising or whether it's falling right um and that's what we mean by the super cycle and that's what the the argument that that goldman sachs and jp morgan and characters like this are making is that not only have we entered a a smaller short-term market upswing with the COVID recovery, but we've also entered into a super cycle that we're looking at a level, a paradigm shift in the trend direction of commodity prices.
0: So it's not fair to say then that because we talk about cyclical stocks, right, and mm. you know, and and those micro cycles, um, it's not to say that the super cycle is just a kind of elongated cycle that spans many cycles it's it's kind of a different concept to that is that fair uh
1: yeah no i mean yeah it does it does span many cycles so like in a super cycle might be made up of i don't know 16 smaller market cycles right potentially yeah that's that's sort of what we're talking about that's what the concept refers to you can't really identify this in the in the data so much Uh, that's my personal opinion they Goldman Sachs, mm. JP Morgan—they reckon you can. Um, but you know, pfft. hacks.
0: I feel like they might have done some research. Yeah. <laughs> Even I know who they are, which means they
1: must be massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you've also got to be—you got to take everything you read in the markets with a grain of salt, and you also—you always got to ask yourself the question: what what barrel are these characters pushing? Salt
0: being a commodity in this
1: case. <laughs> barrels of. <laughs> <laughs> barrels of oh. salt
0: being sold <laughs> yeah. exported yeah. and traded as part of a super cycle so
1: but if, if it is true if it is true that we're entering a super cycle it's big news for australia because we're a commodity exporter you know we're talking about a huge boom in our, our biggest export earner and that's going to be obviously big news for our income story big news for household incomes big news for consumption uh just juices the economy in general Think about we had a, we had the mining boom sort of 2012 to 2014 and more or less and then yeah that was big for Australia we had a big it was a big income shock the Australian dollar rocketed that created that displaced a whole bunch of local manufacturing house prices boomed on the sort of leverage that became available uh, interest rates right felt- so
0: is that what we I mean we've, there's been big news in in house prices recently so is that what's pushing house prices up
1: I don't think I don't think so yet. I think we're still looking at the the impulse coming out of reduced interest rates. It's really the interest rate story at the moment.
0: But 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 what if those two things collide? What if interest the interest rate story collides with the commodity cycle, super cycle story,
1: and we get like a super story? Super <laughs> story, yeah. That's well, that's it. That's that's exactly right. What if, what if that happens? It's you know we're already house prices will moon moon yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Like, it potentially, it's, a, yeah, could be a huge story.
0: What happens to other stocks then during a super cycle? Are they influenced at all? Do we see, like, we, we talked about bond yields, right, um, a couple of weeks ago on the show? Yeah. And bond yields were rising, and that meant that uh, a lot of the tech stocks, a lot of the, the growth stocks that had been doing really well started going down in response to the, the increased bond yield. Are we seeing – will we see the same thing happen with a commodity supercycle as those kind of iron ore
1: stocks – well, will the iron ore stocks go up? The, the miners? The miners, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally bullish for, for miners. The thing we've got to uh, differentiate between is the share price of miners and commodity exporters and commodity prices. So most of what we're talking about with the commodity supercycle is a sort of a level shift in the prices of commodities. And that's obviously good news for miners, like they're getting more money for their for their product. And so that's bullish for their share price, but it really depends on how much the market has anticipated that rise in revenues already, how, how much is already baked into the share price. So you won't see the miners' share price won't track commodity prices directly because share prices are forward-looking and they're trying to they're they're trying to guess this so yeah
0: yeah so we can't just go out and buy bhp stocks um because every if people are already predicting a super cycle then that's already factored into the price and the price of the stuff that bhp export might go up but the share price is already counting on that to happen in fact you you'd, you'd then argue then if it The price of the exports doesn't go up or the the quantity doesn't go up then their share price is actually set to fall
1: yeah yeah if it disappoints yeah if it if it flatlines yeah and so it's so it's an interesting it's an interesting one at the moment because you do have characters like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan talking up this commodity super cycle idea um and then people are sort of picking up on that and going oh yep yep there's a super cycle happening and it's on its way but they're talking about Commodity prices rising for three months. So, three months does not a super cycle make.
0: I mean, I suspect it as much. Yeah. (laughs) Three three months is a good quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I figured a super cycle might have to run for at least a bit more than three months. That seems like a good spot to take a break. Let's grab a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist
1: in just a moment.
0: Right, so you're saying it might be too early to call it a super cycle. Yeah. Why, yeah. why are you saying that?
1: Uh, personally, I, I don't I think I think they're overstating the case. I think, I think they're overplaying it. I mean, so, the, so I, I, read, I read JP Morgan's report on this, and they're saying there's four factors that are driving the commodity super cycle story. One is the rebound out of the COVID lockdown, so, and that's driven by a huge infrastructure spending spree that governments have gone on. So governments have you know, really opened up the wallets, putting a lot of money and they tend to put money into commodity intensive things like bridges and buildings and that sort of thing. So that sort of you know, big surge in demand and that's, that's driving commodity prices higher. That's the start of it. The second factor they're pointing to is the risk of inflation. So inflation might be picking up and commodities, because they're real, tend to do well in inflationary environments because as the currency devalues, this that's relative to the real stuff that we buy with that money. So, so the prices go up. Yeah, so like during the oil shock of the 90s or the dot-com bust, when inflation was picking up, commodities performed pretty well. The third factor they're pointing to is that commodities are very cheap relative to shares right now. You look at, you can compare share prices and commodity prices. Commodity prices are as cheap as they've been almost almost ever so you have got to go back to 1969 and 1998 to get similar a similar relativity if you charted out so commodities are very cheap relative to equities and in those two previous times 1969 1998 when the commodities got that cheap they then turned around and went on a bull run and had a decade of strong price growth in commodities
0: but they couldn't really have gone anywhere else because I mean if they you know once if they're at the bottom then where do they go like they, they gotta go up
1: yeah I mean we're talking relative relativity here so there is no floor necessarily so it's, it's not they're not it's not low in absolute dollar terms it's relative to equity prices
0: yeah okay but maybe the equities are overpriced maybe the Netflix of the world and maybe the um, you know Amazon's are, are overvalued oh
1: Adam you're learning so much <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be so sure <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, yeah, there's two ways for that story to correct. The commodity prices could lift or equities could could fall. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You you should email JP Morgan. Let them know. (laughs) Yeah. Explain (laughs) to them what a ratio is, (laughs) how they work.
0: Let's see if I can tee up a corporate gig. Just, uh, yeah, do some... some Economics gags for the JP Morgan Christmas show I am available if you're interested. (laughs) JP, all right. Um, So they're they're low, but you say they're relative, which means that they're not necessarily at the bottom from a price perspective, and so potentially they're not at the bottom, which means maybe you know the the share prices, equity equity markets could actually come down to sort of Mm. to track the to track that the commodities prices a bit more. Yeah,
1: Um, and there's a good chance that some people bailing on equities in that story would then go and put their money into commodities and that's Mm. that's sort of the story because commodities almost are almost work like a bond in the sense like they're pretty predictable you know sort of you know what you got it's it's pretty bland it's not shouldn't be too much so it does the price does move a lot in cycles but maybe people think like oh okay equities are over overbought gonna go into commodities they're underbought super cycles happening so make that pivot
0: right when was the last super cycle
1: um JP Morgan reckon it was up to the last one was in, ended in 2008
0: 2008 mm. I didn't even
1: notice it yeah we, you Came invested much in the commodity market <laughs> early 2000s
0: <laughs> I'd love to take you back to my first question Thomas <laughs> what is a commodity <laughs> but I don't know I, I read the news you'd think you would have heard something about I guess I guess it was maybe I was reading the wrong
1: news yeah
0: you don't you don't remember the mining boom
1: the chinese century it was oh
0: look i had a lot of gigs on at that time that was it's probably fringe time <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could you could i could easily sleep through a mining boom <laughs> <laughs> right well that's a good a good question then like what's the is there a way that we can now that i am into investing a little bit is there a way that i can kind of capitalize on this and and in fact aiden asked the same question what's the best way to capitalize on the super cycle he mentioned physical metal etfs cfds on commodity prices miners explorers producers a combination how do we make the fat stacks tom
1: yeah um uh, yeah i don't know like i probably wouldn't be recommending people get involved in commodities futures unless they really know what they're doing um <laughs> stick stick to bitcoin stick and to nfts <laughs> <laughs> don't risk it with iron ore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean probably the miners aren't, aren't bad like 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 you think you, you, you're definitely in store for a short-term lift like i mean not financial advice not financial advice well i mean it's hard to know like the the reflation is happening the the recovery is underway Mining's the mining stocks are probably a you know cyclical reflation story, so they tend to do well as economic activity recovers because we need commodities to make economic activity happen, and so yeah, so we're definitely you know that three months of growth, though the commodity prices are booming right now, like they're they're at really high levels. You look at commodity price indexes, which kind of brings together all these different commodities, like it's at it's at record levels, you know. So yeah, that's. That's a bullish story. Is, but-
0: that, 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 is that due to the demand though? Is that the demand that's, that brought them to record levels? Is the demand going to be sustained or is that going to, as you say, like is that if it's a COVID response, then are we talking about sustained demand or are we just talking about a kind of spike while we get back on track?
1: Yeah, that's That's exactly the question. And so the, the people who aren't really buying the supercycle story, this is what they're saying. They're saying like, yeah, we've got this reflation happening. Governments have gone out and, and gone, spent heaps of money and that's gone into infrastructure, but we're largely done. So look, if you look at, you know, US and European industrial production, we're back at where we were pre COVID. So we've got over the COVID hump or the COVID right. ditch say. And yep. we've done that by spending a lot on infrastructure, but we're now looking at an economy that's, you know, starting to do pretty well the, the world over and yeah. And so it's like, will government start to wind things back a bit now that the economy's sort of up and running? And the answer to that is probably yes. They're probably not going to keep spending. They're probably not going to keep blowing money on huge infrastructure projects as the economy starts to overheat and people start to worry about inflation Right. So if you're sort of banking on if, – if the the underpinnings of your thesis for a commodity super cycle where the governments are going to keep spending heaps and heaps of money, that's probably not going to happen because that, they're only going to do that if we're not recovering. But we are recovering.
0: Right. So that was would be like keeping on putting bandages around your arm once you've already stopped the bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in a way yeah, right. yeah probably a terrible analogy but yeah i think i know what you mean So that the government's it's in a response to some event right like the you know um the economy was damaged they repaired it and now it's back on track where it was they're not going to keep repairing it up you know if it's, if it's up, up and running mm-hmm.
1: so yeah so like so yes yes to a cyclical reflation yes to like a, a rebound driving commodity prices higher Mm. The other thing with that, one of the reasons why commodity prices have gone higher is because we've had a massive supply shock with COVID. So shipping routes have shut down. It's on the back of a trade war. China's launched a trade war against Australia in 2020. That's driving commodity prices higher. You know, you had a dam bursting in Brazil um, around a mine. You had a couple of other different supply shocks. Freight rates are through the roof so you've got all these supply factors on that side as well that are you know crimping supply as demand is taking off and and prices are the response of what happens when you have that dynamic in place so yes you've got you've got all the short-term cyclical factors like they're definitely happening we are in a the upswing phase of a short-term commodity cycle and commodities tend to move in in boom and bust dynamics They, they tend to move quite a lot and follow the economic cycle but it's not clear that, that these short-run factors are then going to give way into these longer-run super cycle dynamics. And one, and one of the key ones is that China is, you know, a lot of people point to China's needs for commodities. And yeah, this was a big story in 2013, 2014, during the mining boom you slept through.
0: It's also the first I'm hearing about this flood in Brazil, by the oh. way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah that people were talking about the Chinese century and that, that as, as the Chinese economy modernized, it was going to consume a huge amount of uh, commodities and that was going to drive a, a century long commodities boom. And the hubris around this around 2000 and 2013, 2014 was huge. Like people just talking about like this a new level of commodity demand that was going to last 30 years. And by 2017, it was all done. Yeah! Wow. Like it was pretty much like, oh, what was that about? But like, and it was really it was in the the you know the Australian government was producing these projections, which were based on miners' forecasts, and the miners were just talking it up like it was nobody's <laughs> business. And the government was <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay, we'll just pump that out. <laughs> yeah. These
0: these miners weren't weren't in line to get pay bonuses or anything like that, were they? the, the ones that were. That was breaking. No,
1: the the incentives in capitalism are very tightly aligned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, one thing I did hear about about commodities or, and the super cycle is that green initiatives, green energy, and stuff is is bullish for commodities. I always thought of commodities as kind of you know fossil fuel type legacy stuff that we want to leave behind, but I read somewhere it was like um any any green kind of you know environmentally friendly renewable energy type stuff is is good for commodities Mm, mm. what's what's the relationship
1: yeah i mean this actually brings us back to the fourth point jp morgan was making which we didn't hit but that that the us is about to launch a green new deal and yeah create a lot of like green energy projects um that's not good for legacy fossil fuel projects but Renewable energy projects tend to be commodity intensive around copper, nickel, silver, platinum, rare earth metals, things like that. So, right. Um,
0: so BHP wasn't lying, and I saw an ad on TV the other day. Oh, BHP saying that that the you know a green future needs needs our copper, and I thought sure I was. It was one of those just had that air of desperation around you know relevance? It's like no, we're, we're still here. We have still got something to offer, <laughs> but they might be right. Yeah, okay. apparently,
1: apparently, yeah. It, you know the the you know the bull case scenarios for renewable energy involve strong commodity demand for those commodities, so that might push commodity prices in general higher.
0: Right. there you go yeah um and how does how does the uh how does the cycle end then so aiden did ask this question as well how does the cycle end does it is it does it produce a bubble like a sort of slow gradual bubble that eventually bursts or does it just kind of taper off as people lose interest and get bored (laughs) (laughs) fall asleep (laughs) Uh,
1: in the 20 years i've been watching whatever what i see is that the hype and the hubris kind of dissipates uh mm. in an oversupply of mining projects. So mining mining projects have long lead times and take a long time to come in. So, you know, in this hype phase, which can be like five to ten years or something, where everyone's talking about the Chinese century and how it's just boom forever, everyone like the people like eager to invest in mines and get new mines going. And then they all tend to come online at the same time, which is about five to ten years down the track, just as the short term cycle's ending. Uh, and then you've got an extra supply coming on just when the market doesn't really need it and then you get yeah an extended right. downturn which i think is why you get this boom and bust dynamics in com- in commodities just because there's such long lead times in on the supply side yeah. but as for the super cycle i don't know i think it maybe just just fades away or <laughs> well, just sort of comes out in the wash in the end and this just sort of just things just generally trend mm. higher as they do that's that's the crux of it. Like some people are saying it's a you know new paradigm, new level shift, and other people are saying nah, it's just a short-term cyclical reflation story, and it'll all be sort of done and dusted in in a year or two, we, whichever it is. I'm not sure, but the the short-term story is it's good news for us as a commodity exporter in the next you know year to eighteen months, two years. It's a good news story.
0: All right, cool. Well, I reckon that does it for this week, Tom. Um, thanks, of course, for your input as always uh hopefully that's been useful for uh for aiden and everyone else who might have been just interested in super cycles and what they mean uh don't forget you can send us any questions comments feedback uh email us cve at equitymates.com or go to the website equitymates.com forward slash cve we would also really really love it if you went onto the uh onto the apple podcast store tunes thing and left us a review that'd be great um Don't forget there's a bunch of other podcasts across the Equity Mates Media Uh, family. We've got uh, Bryce Nalick, of course, uh, got their Get Started Investing podcast as well as the Equity Mates Investing podcast. Uh, Carmel and Zoe are doing amazing things with their podcast, uh, Meet, Pay, Love. And there's a brand new podcast which is called You're In Good Company which has just launched on Equity Mates. So if you haven't heard that one yet, be sure to go and check that out. Um, Otherwise, we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.
1: Comedian vs Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.